Hi everybody, I'm Chloe Maidley and welcome back to the podcast. This is the podcast where I get to speak to professional athletes, coaches, physique competitors, nutritionists and experts from all around the world at the top of their game in health and fitness. Today's episode is a little bit different. I've had so many requests over Instagram and even for my own clients recently asking me to talk them through the process of a successful fat loss phase. So I thought that we would create an entire episode of the podcast dedicated to this topic. There's a lot to talk about and I can't cover everything in this one podcast so there will be a follow-up but... Here is my initial episode, Five Steps to Successful Fat Loss. Okay, step one, why is fat loss your goal? This is the first and without a doubt the most important step because it will be with you till the end and ultimately it is the reason why you will or won't succeed. If you have no real reason to want to lose body fat, if you're not doing it for health reasons or surgical reasons or real physique goals, which are perfectly valid, like wanting to fit into a size 10 wedding dress instead of a size 14 or even getting on stage to compete in six months, physique goals are valid, but they have to be tangible and they have to have an end goal. In other words, if you really don't have a sincere health, physique or end game fat loss goal, if you're just doing it to do it because you think you should, because you always have, stop right now. There has to be a reason why and there has to be light at the end of the tunnel. Because when the going gets tough, you're going to need to be able to do two things. One, hold on tight to your goal and two, see that light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not trying to say that fat loss is incredibly hard, okay? But there are going to be days where no matter what the goal is, if it is running a marathon, if it is starting IVF so you can have a child, if it is losing 25 pounds, there are gonna be days where you wanna throw in the towel. It's just gonna happen. And that's when you have to really want it. However, I do also think that there is a little bit of a misconception that fat loss is this horribly oppressive, awful thing to put yourself through. Actually, if you need to do it, especially for health reasons, or if you just want to do it because you do want to fit into a size 10 wedding dress, it can actually be a really fun, motivating and self-care thing to do for yourself there's nothing wrong with eating a couple of hundred less calories than you normally would or going to the gym once or twice a week instead of never or making sure that you're hitting a step count because that is actually what fit healthy individuals should be doing I think that one thing which I'm not going to really go into too much in this podcast but I just I wanted to put on the back of that first step reframe how you're looking at this there's something very wonderful and inspirational and motivational about taking care of your body and there is such a thing as thinking from a positive mindset of no this is something I want or need to do and I'm going to enjoy the fact that I'm taking steps to take care of myself or even just achieve a goal so when the going does get tough and it will happen those there's no denying it those days will happen maybe reframe your thinking um, as opposed to feeling oppressed by the goal feel motivated by the fact that you're even choosing to do it and excited by the end result. Let's move on to step two now, tracking. 
I do understand that tracking is not appealing to everybody, but let me make my case here. In order to lose body fat, you are going to have to pick a diet that will help to put you in a negative energy balance. So let me quickly explain that bit for you. A negative energy balance means that you're consuming less calories via food than you are burning via basic function of the human body. And of course, all additional movement, such as non-exercise activity, basic moving around, and exercise activity, so targeted exercise. Now, the typical human body is storing roughly 100,000 calories in the form of body fat. We then store about 2,000 calories-ish in the form of carbohydrates, specifically glycogen. So we need to put your body in a position where it has to turn to these energy stores because it's not getting enough from food. That is what fat loss is in and of itself. Essentially, we need to implement a calorie deficit. You don't need to fear being in a slight calorie deficit. It's not going to kill you, okay? So now let's come back to tracking. Anyone who's ever dieted before will know how hard it can get at times. Whether we're talking behaviorally, like saying no to your favorite foods that don't fit into your diet. Or for those of you who've had successful fat loss before, physiologically, when your hunger hormones kick in and start telling you to eat more and eat more now. There are definitely days where dieting is hard. So we need to make those hard days as easy as possible because essentially we need you to adhere, we need you to stay on track, we need you to stay consistent. This is where tracking quite quickly comes to the fore as your best dieting option. Now, don't get me wrong, you still are dieting, aka not eating everything and anything you want just because you're now tracking it. No, no, you still need to adhere to the diet and you still need to be in your negative energy balance, in your calorie deficit. But while I do advise my clients to create their own meal plans within their own numbers in order to adhere and stay on track, that moment when you're at a barbecue or you are on your period or you just want the fucking glass of wine, this is when tracking comes to the rescue and can aid you in your adherence. Let me be very clear about this. If you want successful fat loss, you still need to adhere to your calorie deficit regardless of whether or not you are tracking or on the Atkins diet. However, tracking can give you freedom when you really need it without pulling you way off track. Step three, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, aka NEAT. This is all movement that isn't targeted exercise. Cooking, cleaning, shopping, just moving. NEAT is a huge daily calorie burner that can greatly contribute to your negative energy balance. Now, how many calories you'll burn if you hit the popular 10,000 steps per day is highly variable and will of course depend largely on both the weight that you are carrying around with you when you hit those steps and your fitness level. How adapted are you at basically getting up and moving around? As well as the pace, how quickly are you walking? And the terrain covered. Are you walking uphill or are you walking downhill? These are all variable. So we can't say you're going to burn 500 calories a day with 10,000 steps. But we can estimate that a fair few hundred calories will be burned with a moderate step count, like 10,000 steps a day. What we also know is that for most individuals, now professional athletes may not be included in this bracket, 
But for most individuals, NEAT is the second highest contributor to your total daily energy expenditure, second only to your basal metabolic rate. Your BMR is just the basic functioning of your body, okay? So guys, that means that for most of you, but again, not all of you, but for most of you, NEAT is more important to your fat loss success than exercise activity. But we'll come back to that in a minute. Let's quickly get back to neat and successful fat loss. When your fat loss starts to occur, you may not even realize it, but your body will try and conserve its energy stores by reducing your neat as much as possible. This is why maintaining that 10,000 step count and potentially even aiming to increase it incrementally as you become smaller and fitter is incredibly important to your fat loss success. Now, this is my second caveat where I'm just going to go off piece for a minute. I've noticed something happening with clients in more recent times where the more I would say obsessive of my clients, and I can totally relate to that because I was once that type and I kind of still am, I have to monitor it. But you you know who you are if you're listening and I'm sure any listeners who know that they're like this will be able to um, identify with this. Have started getting quite obsessive over step counts and I see... So typically when I have clients, you know, on certain calories specific to them and certain steps which are specific to them, but there is always a minimum, I'll say if you can't hit these steps naturally throughout the day, you know, so I have a dog, so I walk my dog, I cook all the meals for my husband and I, so I'm on my feet moving around in the kitchen a lot, believe me, that adds up. I typically do the domestic chores, you know, shock. So my step count is pretty high naturally like on on a calm day I'm hitting over 10,000 steps but you know you talk about walking my dog and going to the gym and anything else you know it can really climb up but I say to my clients look if you're if you have a desk job and you don't have a dog and you know you're not at home that often let's do some added cardio after workout so that we can try and get your weekly average up to say 70,000 steps right now what I've seen happening in more recent times with clients is that all of a sudden their check-ins, their steps will be going from 10,000 and then 12,000 and then 15,000 and then 18,000 and then 20,000. And and it just quite, it materializes quite quickly that they've become quite obsessed with the step count. Um, That last point that I made there when I say that as you become smaller and fitter, it's a good idea to incrementally increase your steps to kind of continue to excel your fat loss or I suppose, you know, maintain the rate at which you're losing your body fat, there is a cutoff point. You know, typically if I have clients who are starting to forcibly, it's not natural to them, but forcibly hit over that 15,000 steps a day mark, I'm like, okay, what what's happening? I'll start asking the question now. Sometimes they've got an office challenge, right? That's quite popular at the moment. Office challenges to hit a few hundred thousand steps in X amount of time. And that makes sense. Or they're like, oh, well, my fat loss stalled and you told me to add on 10 minutes of cardio you know, I train five days a week and it's just pulled them up. This all makes sense. But if you're starting to obsess over your steps, you need to pull back and you need to start to address your, I guess, mental approach to this goal. Because don't get me wrong, you're going to have to work hard, but there is such a thing as obsessing and it becoming oppressive and it starting to have a negative impact on your life. So just take that with a pinch of salt. I'm just very aware when I give advice sometimes that it might come across Um, is extreme and that's not what I want at all. Okay, let's move on to step four, exercise activity thermogenesis. 
eat. <laughs> As I've already mentioned, for most of you, NEAT will likely be a higher calorie burner per day than exercise activity will. However, exercise activity is still hugely important for a number of reasons, even beyond additional calories burned. Let's start with cardiovascular health. So if, like me, heart disease runs in your family, it goes without saying that keeping cardiovascularly fit, I know that's not a word, (laughs) is a priority. It's also just going to improve your overall health and fitness, which is important in our youth, but it's even more important as we continue to age. Then there's resistance training, building muscle mass, strength, okay? Increased muscle mass has been directly linked to increased longevity of life, not to mention increased quality of life. So by avoiding resistance training and avoiding increasing your muscle mass, not only will you never get toned, (laughs) but you are also significantly decreasing your likelihood of avoiding and or surviving disease, your length and quality of life. That last point means that you might need help getting to and from the loo a lot earlier than you might have wanted to. So just think about that, okay? Step five, the thermic effect of food. Now, this might be the lowest contributor to total daily energy expenditure on the list, but it is still something to consider. So the thermic effect of food is how many calories your body will expend from a food when breaking it down. So for lean protein and also fiber, aka veg, non-starchy veg, it's roughly, give or take, around about 30%. So this means that if you're eating 100 calories from a straight up lean protein or a direct non-starchy kind of fiber, let's talk like green veg, right, fiber source, roughly 30 calories of that 100 will be expended in the process of digesting and metabolizing said food. That might not seem like a lot, but when you up these calories to, let's say, a thousand calories of your daily intake, and those 30 calories to 300 calories, it does make you think. Not to mention that protein will spike muscle protein synthesis, another important factor when it comes to muscle building. Now, just a quick point on that. In an ideal world, it will be somewhere in the region of 20 to 40 grams a serving protein I mean every three to five hours when you're talking about uh, a high in leucine protein option like a whey uh, 20 grams is likely going to be enough but when you start talking about animal sources of protein like chicken beef fish eggs and also even casein as well then you're going to want to hit more in that like 30 40 gram bracket because the amino acid that you're really looking for here is leucine and it obviously is uh, available in different quantities from different foods so just something to consider and also in terms of just your overall protein count throughout the day because I also get asked this a lot I like my clients to go on two grams of protein per one kg of lean mass so for me when I get kind of now uh, now the next thing people will say is well how do I figure out my lean mass? And the answer is, from home, you don't. I mean, you just don't. Like, your average Joe doesn't know it. And please don't think that those weird machines at the gym are going to tell you. They're really not. A really good idea, just for ease, okay, to go on, and you really don't need to get more pedantic than this, okay, is go on 
your realistic goal weight, okay? Or your leanest adult body weight where you felt your best. Just kind of ballpark figures. I'm not a huge fan of goal weights, but it gives you an idea of where you kind of want to get to. And use that number. So when I get lean now, I mean, it used to be lower than this, but I have more muscle mass on me now. Now I'll typically go down to about roughly 60 kg, maybe 59, but we'll just say, you know, round it up. So for me, that's 120 grams of protein a day, broken up into servings of 20, 40 grams, four times a day. Wait, let me calculate that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much how I hit it. And that's, you know, pretty much what I recommend for clients. Now, I also base my meals around fiber. Fiber is going to keep you incredibly healthy in terms of both its micronutrients, aka vitamins and minerals, and also its amazing effects on gut health. It's fair to say that building your meals around protein and veg or protein and fruit, if it's sweet, for example, is a very, very good idea in terms of your overall health, but also your physique goals and your fat loss goals. These two food groups, protein and fiber, will also be the most satiating, which is another huge factor when you're in a calorie deficit. A lot of my clients will really struggle with this. They'll come to me on 1800 calories at the start of a fat loss phase, and I'll always start them kind of higher. And this is a high deficit, right, for a lot of women. And a lot of time, a lot of the time we have to drop a woman from this down. But I like to start my clients higher because a lot of the time we don't have to. And they'll say, I'm starving. Now, this is either psychological, as in they're thinking, oh my God, I'm on a diet. And then they just start overthinking. And, and, and obviously part of that is I'm hungry, I'm starving. Or I do find that a lot of the time my clients are overdoing hit right from the off. And that can have a huge impact on how full you feel and how hungry you feel, I should, I should say. Or they're hitting these 1800 calories with really, you know, unsatiating food groups and meals, which are not going to fill them up. They're not building their meals around protein and veg, which I do say right from the off. And I basically have to give them examples of what I eat in a day and how they can build their meals around this. And again, that can be another topic for another podcast. Um, It's quite a controversial topic, you know, what I eat in a day. A lot of A lot of people, you know, won't really talk about it or do it because they're scared people are going to copy them and, you know, maybe not be eating enough for their own activity levels or their own height um, or their own weight. But I actually think it's really helpful and I could give you examples on how also in another episode I cook for my husband and I who, I mean, he is on double the calories that I'm on. So... I think that'll be helpful, but we can save that for another day. Just to lastly end on the thermic effect of food, just for your information, carbs are roughly 8% thermic and fats are roughly 3% thermic. So that just gives you a nice kind of barometer of kind of the different food groups and how they can contribute to your overall total daily energy expenditure. So... That should basically take you through the basic considerations of your fat loss diet. So step one, having a reason. Why are you doing this? Is it good enough? Because I'll tell you right now, if it's not good enough and you don't really care, you're just doing it because you think you should or you always have, you're going to fail. Pull it, come up with a new goal, any goal, performance goal, marathon, strength training, health, any goal, just not fat loss, okay? Step two, tracking to ensure that you're getting your calories in and that you have, and macros, you know, as we talked about, protein, and we'll do another one on macronutrients, definitely. 
but also making sure that you have a little bit more freedom as and when you need it. Again, caveat to that, this is certainly not a free-for-all just because you track. You're still meant to be adhering to a calorie deficit. But hey, you find yourself locked out the house with nowhere to go but to meet your friend at the pub. That's okay. That's okay. Now it's a numbers game. Step three, the importance of non-exercise activity thermogenesis, aka NEAT, aka step counts. The second biggest calorie burner, again, unless you're kind of a professional athlete, after BMR, and something that absolutely everybody, again, just for basic health reasons, everything from cardiovascular health to digestion, how many steps a day and how much you're moving are you getting outside? Are you taking a walk? It's pretty important for for your physical health. Step four, exercise activity. Uh, We talked about cardiovascular activity and how important that is for different health reasons. And we also talked about resistance training and building muscle mass and how important that is for, again, kind of all-cause mortality. Step five, the thermic effect of food. Definitely the lowest one down on the list, but something to think about in terms of health, in terms of total daily energy expenditure, and also in terms of satiety. And I really hope you guys took that home. You know, sometimes you will be hungry in a fat loss phase. Sometimes that happens. You know, really curbing that hunger with healthy and hearty food choices uh, is going to help. Again, you know, not to mention the fact that, you know, you get a huge bowl of veg, even just that visual kind of voluminous bowl, you know, versus a tiny bowl of cereal, which is what I have every morning because I love it. But it's, yeah, it's a lot more... I suppose, enjoyable. So as I keep mentioning, there will be a follow-up podcast in a few episodes time where I will expand on macronutrients, on uh, how to structure your meals, on how to achieve success with your fat loss goal. Everything from your mental approach to it, which is often the biggest hurdle for all of my clients, and also practical applications in terms of your diet and exercise and approaches to both. So this has been a short but sweet episode of the podcast, but it was one that has been requested to me at least a hundred times at this point. So I hope that you enjoyed it and I hope that you found it helpful. As always, guys, if you can subscribe, like, leave a review, you are really going to be helping me out because I definitely, definitely want to keep this show going. And for those of you who've already done that, I cannot thank you enough. It feels wonderful reading your reviews and it makes me incredibly happy. And um, I just cannot thank you enough for many, many years of love and support and making me able to continue to do what I love. So thank you. Thank you all for listening. I will see you again next week. And next week, don't worry, I won't just be rambling on again. We will have another brilliant guest. I'm very, very excited to have them on. So farewell. Sports Social Podcast Network.